Hello, this is Meet the Writers. I'm Georgina Godwin. My guest today is an award-winning Vietnamese author, poet and novelist. Born in North Vietnam during the war, she migrated with her family to the Mekong Delta in the South when she was six years old. Her life as she knew it changed in 1992 when she received a scholarship from the Australian government and left her home country for the first time. Upon moving back to her beloved Vietnam, her passion for empowering others led her to take on many advocacy roles and her writing is no different. Her debut English language novel, The Mountains Sing, was the runner-up for the 2021 Dayton Literary Peace Prize. Her second novel, Dust Child, follows the story of four individuals entwined forever by decisions made in a time of conflict. Set between the Vietnam War and the present day, it's an epic of family secrets and longing heartache. Nguyen Phan Kimai. I hope I've pronounced your name correctly. I'm sorry for, for any uh, deficiencies on my part. I have been practicing it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Georgina, for having me on your show today. You said my name really well. Thank you. <laughs> well, Kumai, it's, it's really such a privilege to have you here because, as we were discussing earlier, Vietnam is something that, although it's very much in the American and obviously the Vietnam consciousness, it's not something that actually impacts a lot on the rest of the world. We know that uh, Anthony Blinken, the US Secretary of State, was recently in Vietnam. And clearly, it's a country which is going to be, I would guess, love-bombed by the West. It's very much in this strategic place, which is very important. And I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I would like to start talking about your life, because you were born in 1973 in a small village in the north of Vietnam. Tell me what was going on at that time. So I was born two years after the war ended, and so I don't have... Um, memories of the war itself, but I remember growing up, you know, in poverty, surrounded by devastation the war had uh, left us with. You know, for example, my village was emptied of men who had gone to war and few uh, were coming back and those who came back seemed to have lost a part of themselves. And I remember the women who kept waiting for the return of their loved ones. And my village had a river dike, the highest point, and each afternoon as I flew my kite and played with my friends there, I would watch these women who stood there looking out to the road that would lead to our village waiting for the return of their sons or of their husbands. So it was, you know, I look at the yearning in these women's eyes and from that moment I felt like I wanted, you know, to get to know them and what they went through. And I think that, that gave me, you know, my first wish of being a writer, of being a, a listener, of being a storyteller. Um, so my father had uh, left home, you know, to go to the South to work as a teacher uh, when I went to school, when I started going to school. And I remember missing him a lot. So fathers always have an important role in both of my novels, uh, The Mountains Thing, first of all, and then Das Child. Because, you know, for my years of growing up, my father was away, so I really miss him. And uh, whenever he came back from the South, he brought with him stories that that made me made me really curious because Vietnam had been divided into North and South for my, more than 20 years during the war. So in 1975, 
we were united as one nation, but the division still continues until today because there are issues that we have to reconcile. There are issues that we have to work together in bringing our people together. Mm-hmm. And I address these issues in both of my novels, and especially Dust Child. Mm. And I mean, there are lots of lots of things in, in Dust Child that really, really made me think. And, and one of them was about, and indeed some Americans have, have voiced this, about how the US and the rest of the world really had were seeing Vietnam through this lens which was absolutely not representative of of how the people of Vietnam the representation of Vietnam in western literature that's one of the reason that uh, I had to write in English to insert a voice from inside Vietnam because you know once I went to the New York uh, public library and I I look at the index of books that have been published in English about Vietnam. And I was so frustrated to see how many books were about Vietnam as the war and how many books represented Vietnam, Vietnamese people as those, you know, who acted as the background to the Western stories. So in, in Dust Child, for example, even though it's set against the backdrop of the war, but I present a lot of Vietnamese poetry, Vietnamese culture, Vietnamese music, Vietnamese food, you know, Vietnamese traditions, and the norm, the daily life that we have in Vietnam, and 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 this novel is actually set in modern day Vietnam as well. So you experience a taste of what's going on, and also the so, some of the social issues that we have, including corruption, for example. Uh, so, in fact, you quote McNamara. What did he say about Vietnam? He said in his book that one of the reasons America fell in Vietnam was the lack of understanding of Vietnamese culture and history. And this is so true because, you know, many American veterans told me when they went to Vietnam, they knew nothing about Vietnam as a country. They were told that uh, we were a country that had been at war with, with many other nations, that life wasn't as worthy in Vietnam as life in America. So, you know, the weapon of wars is dehumanization. So this is also something that was employed in Vietnam as well. We try to to present the other people as the order as, as, you know, not being civilized as us so that it's easy to kill them, right? So I think humanization is the weapon for peace. Mm. So that's why one of my missions as a writer is to write to humanize people of all sides. And so that's why, you know, I have Vietnamese, American and Amerasian characters in my novel and I want to present them as as fully in their human capacity. They are not perfect. Mm. They have weaknesses, but they also have strength and hope and yearning for, for a normal life. When you were a child, you then followed your father to the south. And were those huge divisions between north and south very evident in, in, in your life then? Oh, yes. So so when I moved to southern Vietnam in the late uh, 70s, I was really young then, but I noticed a huge difference between north and south. For example, you know, the first night that I arrived in Bac Leo, in the very bottom of South Vietnam, I was sitting down for dinner with my family and suddenly there was an explosion above our head. Uh, somebody was throwing rocks onto the tin roof of our house and I was called Bucky, you know, like stupid northerners whenever I walked on the street because the people there, they did not want to see people from the north coming 
to take away their jobs and their other opportunities. And it took me years later to understand why. Because, you know, the government from the north were also sending their own people to the south. You know, so, so because Vietnam had been divided, people from the south were thinking that they were being invaded by northerners like us. So we were being discriminated against and it was very difficult at that time. And I must say that without growing up in the south, I wouldn't be able to write that child because with this novel, I want to talk about the issues that divided us and the, the challenges we have to overcome to really be one nation because reconciliation among Vietnamese people is, is very difficult. And I have met throughout my years of traveling, you know, I've met diasporic Vietnamese people who refuse to return to Vietnam until today. Mm. They say they lost their country. They, Some of the older people prohibit their children to return to Vietnam. And I want to reach out to, to all of them to say, you know, we this is our country and this is our heritage. And, um, you know, we talking about our trauma, about our division is difficult, but it's an important conversation mm. that we need to have because the war ended more than 50, you know, nearly 50 years ago. Yeah. You know, and it is long overdue that we we come together and offer healing to each other. The book Dust Child, uh, one of the themes, of course, is trying to leave Vietnam, is is these children uh, who were fathered by American soldiers trying to, to find a way to get to America. What you did, of course, was you got out. You got out to Australia. How did that happen? Oh, I was really lucky to have gotten a development scholarship to study in Australia. So because my family was, was really poor, my parents were both teachers and farmers. And what happened in Dust Child is also a part of my life too. Chang and Quing, the two Vietnamese sisters, were like in high school when their family lost everything. And uh, then they had to find other ways to earn money to help their parents. And this is what happened to my family as well. So in the 80s, my parents, parents who were teachers and farmers who knew nothing about business ventured into some business with their friends and they lost everything. We had to sell our house and we had, my parents had to buy a patch of of, uh, rice field behind the town's cemetery and we built, we erected our hut there and every day I went to school walking through this cemetery and I was really scared. But you know, those days taught me a lesson about work ethics that I had to work hard and I had to study because education would save me. So I studied really hard to get out of this darkness. And luckily, uh, my academic results were good. So I had a chance to to study in Australia on a a development scholarship from the Australian government. So I went there in the year 1993. And uh, when I went to Australia, I couldn't understand people. My English was really basic because my, 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 my schools in Bakliu didn't have English teachers. Um, so I had to study English during my foundation year. 
And then I stayed with an Australian family and I learned a lot of English from them. And I worked in business because, you know, I wanted to be a writer when I was little because I love to read books and my family didn't want me to be a writer. So I quit my writing dreams. So in Australia, I started business and I came back and I worked in business. And it took me many years to come back to my writing dream. And that was in the year, that was when I was 33 years old. And in between, of course, you've tried to help other Vietnamese, disadvantaged Vietnamese children to continue their education. You've been very much involved in scholarship programs yourself. Yeah, because, you know, the Australian scholarship really saved my life and saved my family as well. So I realized the importance of uh, education. So when I, I went back to Vietnam, I, I set up, you know, scholarship programs and I'm, I'm still running them because I think... Uh, Education is the key and I used to work as a consultant in development and I did research on to, you know, child labor. And in Vietnam, even though literacy rate is high, but there there's a certain part of our society where, you know, the poor has you know, little access to education. So, you know, I've been encouraging parents, you know, to continue sending the kids to school via you know, the scholarship program that uh, my friends and I have, have been running. So it has been really empowering to see how education has changed my life and also help other people as well. Mm-hmm. As you say, you only started writing professionally at 33. And since then, your career has absolutely taken off. Many of your poems have been written into songs. There's a really famous one translated as I Hear My Country Call My Name. It's huge in Vietnam. Oh, thank you. You have done so much research into my life. Yeah, so actually, I, um, you know, I started uh, to write poetry out of the need to express myself. In Vietnam, we love poetry. Vietnam is a nation of poets. The poet Phong Quan has this uh, line, Có những phúc ngã lòng tôi vĩnh câu thơ và đứng dậy. In moments of difficulty, I hold on to the verse of poetry to pull myself up. So, you know, when I was growing up, even though I did not have enough food to eat, my parents fed me with a lot of poetry. My mom sang a lot of lullabies to me, and we listened to poetry readings all the time on public radio. Uh, So we had to learn, you know, poems by heart at school. So our textbooks were just full of poetry. And nowadays in Vietnam, if you look at the national newspapers, during the, the weekend editions always have poetry. So poetry is really important. So I, you know, I started uh, writing poetry when I was really little. I wrote poetry in my diary. And then, you know, when I returned to Vietnam, because I was working in Bangladesh, because I married to a German who works in development assistance. So he was in Bangladesh. So I worked in Bangladesh and then I returned to Vietnam when I was 33. And the joy, the joy of living in your own home was so great, you know, to be able to be immersed in Vietnamese language and, and be a part of the Vietnamese life was so amazing that I started to compose poetry on a, on my motorbike, which is something I don't recommend to anyone because I was fined by the police by crossing the red light or turning without blinking. But um, some of my first poems that I got published was composed, you know, doing my way to work at that time. And um, yeah, so 
quite a few of my poems have been written into songs and and sung in Vietnam and and this is really amazing because music can really bring poetry you know very far and um, I think you know Vietnamese music is very much connected to poetry uh, so I mean you know the reasons why I write novels to cheat readers into reading my poetry <laughs> I, that's why it has taken me so long to write each of my books. Uh, you know, The Mountain Sing took seven years. And so The Mountain Sing is my first novel in English. So it's, um, it's a story about the history of Vietnam in the 20th century via the viewpoints of two women, a grandmother and her granddaughter. So, you know, with the, with that child, I... It's different because it's set in South Vietnam. So the mountain thing is set in North Vietnam. Dust Child is set in Southern Vietnam. Uh, so, you know, I uh, Dust Child also took me seven years because, you know, I, I go back and after I draft the, the novels, I go back and I, I try to insert a lot of poetry <laughs> into it. Dust Child is an extraordinary book. Uh, it's terribly moving and, and revelatory, actually. As you say, it's about these two sisters. Their parents are cheated out of their money. The girls go off to Saigon, as, as it was then, and they work in a bar, the Hollywood bar, where they are expected to entertain American soldiers. And the book is really, I guess its themes are about A, trying to get out, but B, about just trying to survive in this world. And you write so very beautifully about the lives that they eke out for themselves, about this guilt of being a good country girl who's basically now having to work as a prostitute. You know, um, I actually interviewed many of these women who had to work in bars to serve soldiers. And it was heartbreaking to me to find out that there were hundreds of thousands of women who had to do that type of job and they were very much looked down upon by the Vietnamese society who would call them mammy or American prostitutes, even though, you know, many of them did not work as sex workers. So they were very much discriminated against, so they had to lie to their parents or lie to the people they know, you know, to make up the stories about their life in in the big cities. And then after the war, they were very fearful of being punished by the winning side. So they had to make up stories about their past as well. So, you know, these women have gone through incredible things. First of all, they had to survive the war. They had to survive the things that went on with their job. They had to deal with all the injustices that they faced. And many of them had to give away their children to be able to save them. And I, I, you know, look at the literature that have written about them, at the Hollywood movies that have been made about them, and I told myself this is not fair because, you know, in those movies or in, you know, like in plays such as, musicals such as Miss Saigon, you see Kim as a bad girl who needs to be rescued by her American boyfriend and I'm here to say that these women really help the men during their most difficult times. You know, in my novel, Chang is a bad girl, but she she is a poet. Uh, she's an artist who creates new life on her rice fields and who tries to save her American boyfriend with Vietnamese literature. She remembers by heart the Vietnamese epic, The Tale of Kill, an epic that has more than 3,000 
1,200 verses that she tells her boyfriend from her memory in the hope to save him from the horror of war. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes when something is missing in life, you make it up in fiction, right? I don't have a, a sister in real life, so that's why I created the two sisters in Dust Child to be able to write about siblinghood and sisterhood. So Chang has her sister, Quing, and it's my purpose to make them very different. Uh, you know, why, why Chang is very romantic, Quing is realistic, she's more... She's more brutal in a way that she she needs to be brutal to be able to survive mm. and, you know, kind of create a story, a, a new life for herself. You talk about the girls helping the soldiers, and they absolutely do. And at one point, they discuss how an American soldier, and they're there usually just for a year or maybe 13 or 14 months, how their behaviour changes, how at the beginning they're good time boys, they come to the bar, there's laughter, there's fun. And then the girls discuss, one of the lines is, violence is poison. And you can see and you describe it beautifully, the attitude of these soldiers changing from these 19, 20-year-old carefree boys to these battle-hardened, tormented young men. Mm. Thank you so much for reading and for seeing into the scenes that I describe in the novel. And I have worked with American veterans over the years, and I have seen personally how the war destroyed them. And they had come to Vietnam really naive, some of them really romantic. And then, you know, they realized suddenly they were hit with with the hard reality that death and destruction were coming at them. So it's devastating. So this novel, I want to demonstrate the impact of wars and violence on the characteristics of human beings because in my first novel, The Mountain Sing, I had this line, wars have the power to turn cultured people into monsters. You know, when, when people are traumatized, are impacted by PTSD, they behave in a way that they cannot control. And in this novel, I I show the transformation of Dan, uh, you know, a young American man who came to Vietnam without knowing much about the country. He had imagined it as a very exotic place and he wanted to be the he a hero because he has been told that heroes were born out of wars. And he was he wanted to save the pitiful Vietnamese. Mm. But actually, he was faced by all of this violence that he witnessed, and this violence really rotted him and transformed him into a, to a violent person towards his Vietnamese girlfriend. Mm. And, you know, this novel is really my call for peace and for humans to love humans more. And, you know, like, like as I said before, you know, dehumanization is the weapon for wars. I, I was taught, you know, that I should resent American soldiers because, you know, it was after the war. And in our textbooks, there were really horrifying stories of about American soldiers that we had to study and remember by heart. And, you know, I wrote this book to humanize those who were dehumanized. Mm -hmm. You know, I was also told horrible stories about women who had been associated with American soldiers because they were called traitors. I was told horrible stories about their children because, you know, I was told that they did not belong to our society. They should not be there. So in searching 
researching for this book, I found there's humanity. So I learned so much yeah. through my seven years researching and writing this book. And a lot of it is about those children, about them trying to get to America, about taking DNA tests, about the various American schemes that at first repatriated them or took them to America really quite easily. You just had to show that you were visually, obviously, the child of an American soldier. It then got a lot more difficult. And I'm assuming a lot of those people still live in Vietnam and are, you can tell who they are because they look different. Yeah. So, you know, because um, Amerasian children were very much discriminated against, so the, the American government passed the Amerasian Homecoming Act in the early 80s to allow those who look mixed to immigrate to America without the need to show groups because many of these children had been abandoned. So, you know, then corruption started because Vietnamese started to buy and sell these children. You know, so overnight, these children who were homeless, who were called the bụi đời or the dust of life would turn into people of gold because they could bring under the Amerasian Homecoming Act, which I describe in my book, they were allowed to bring family members along. So those family members, they could be adopted family members, family members of an adopting family. So many families, you know, fake papers or made up stories about them having adopted these Amerasian children to be able to go to America. So, you know, in reality, many of those Amerasian children, when they were brought to the U.S., they were abandoned again by yeah. the families who, who did not love them, who only used them as tickets. So, you know, the, there are so many layers of trauma that have been experienced by Amerasian people. Mm. The book is also set in contemporary Vietnam. And I just wondered if you could talk to us a little bit about what Vietnam is like now. At the beginning of the program, we were talking about its increased political importance. And I wonder if you could just describe the sort of political and geopolitical landscape in Vietnam. So I I hope the world will uh, recognize the importance of Vietnam, you know, in our global partnerships, because Vietnam is a nation of really hardworking people. And we value education, we value international cooperation. So, you know, we want to move on from the past. We don't talk much about the war and, and we want to reach out and be friends with many other nations. But it's, you know, it's because of our political position. So it's... You're still a communist country. We are a communist country and it's quite tricky um, due to that position. So, for example, you know, our position on the war in Ukraine, you know, like, you know, we, we try to maintain our neutral position. But when it comes to Ukraine, you cannot be neutral. What about China? So China has a very complex relationship with Vietnam because we, China supported Vietnam during the Vietnam War. So China provided a lot of weapons that helped us, uh, you know, uh, with uh, helped the communists defeat the Americans. But then there was this war against China, the border war in the year 1979. But at the moment, uh, we try to foster relationships with China because, you know, China is is also a communist country. So, um, you know, the Vietnamese government considers China, you know, a big friend of Vietnam. So they try to build, you know, strong relations politically, economically and culturally as well. Mm. And so China is a, a big partner of Vietnam. Mm. What's next for you? 
I am on the book tour right now until the next few months. So um, I'm here in the UK for for book events, which I love, and I'm I I'm also going to Australia, New Zealand, and several other European countries. So it's really exciting. But I wish at the same time that I had time to work full time on my next novel, which I have written 50 pages. And you know, I I want to write about issues that make social impact. And my next novel will center on the issues of human trafficking. The UK and Vietnam have a lot to do with each other uh, regarding, you know, cooperation to fight against human trafficking. Because as you know, quite a few Vietnamese. Uh, young people died, you know, due to the the ring of human smuggling in the UK. So Vietnam is sadly a destination for human trafficking and a source country. Vietnam is a source country for human smuggling and human trafficking. And it's heartbreaking that many women in the countryside are cheated into these human trafficking and human smuggling rings. And I want to write about these issues and what we can do to tune offer support to prevent human trafficking. Kimai, it's been an absolute privilege to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Georgina, for having me on the show. It's so easy to talk to you. It's like talking <laughs> to a good friend. And thank you so much for reading my book so carefully and for your brilliant questions. Well, I think everybody should read Dust Child. They need to read it to understand what happened and what might happen. And also just to have a very, very moving, beautifully written story. It's Dust Child. It's by Nguyen Pan Ki Mai. It's published by One World. <laughs> You've been listening to Meet the Writers, thanks to the production team of Nora Hull, Monica Lillis and Steph Chungu. And you can download this show and previous episodes from our website or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Georgina Godwin. Thank you for listening. Thank you.